everybody. I'm Ryan from Fireside Yankees with a special guest, Gary Phillips of the New York Daily News. Gary, how are you doing today, my friend? I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, yeah, like I'm really excited to talk about the Yankees with you and hope you're doing well. It's great meeting you at the Pinstripe Pride event. Yeah, it was nice meeting you as well. I'm really happy and excited to be on. I appreciate you having me. Um, I'm doing pretty well. Just trying to take it easy and get through this last week of a little bit of downtime before it's off to Tampa and getting ready for spring training. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as a writer yourself, you know, you know that the baseball media world is full of people from various backgrounds and walks of life. And to get to know you a little bit more, I wanted to ask if you could take us through your journey in media and baseball and how it resonates with you. Yeah, so I played travel ball growing up, like a lot of kids in the area. I dreamed about being the next Jeter and playing professionally. Uh, I'm not that big of a guy, so I realized that wasn't going to happen by high school. I was always a strong writer in class, knew I wanted to do something involving baseball and sports. So I kind of settled on journalism uh, as a high school junior or senior without really having any experience. We didn't have a school paper or anything like that. Um, I went to Seton Hall, joined the Setonian, the school's paper there on my very first day of freshman year. And um, I did it because of sports and I kind of fell in love with the process of reporting and storytelling and got to merge the two together. I moved up the paper, paper's editorial board, got some internships and freelance gigs with the Sporting News and The Athletic. And my first full-time job was actually for Yankees Magazine, the program that you see if you walk around the stadium. You know, It's on shelves there. It's got the scorecard in it. Um, I was part of the COVID layoffs that hit Major League Baseball. And from there, I started freelancing for the New York Times and got a job with New Jersey Monthly Magazine, where I covered everything, not just sports, not just baseball. And those opportunities led to my current position with the Daily News. So I'm getting ready for my second season on the beat now, and I can't wait to get going. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that journey of like, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, you've met me. I'm not that tall of a guy either. Uh, I always thought I was like, oh, I'm going to be a second base in the New York Yankees. And then I saw some kid in high school. Uh, I think it was like 16, clear the fence, uh, like a 400-foot ball with a wooden bat. And I was like, all right, yeah, we're going to get into writing. Uh, you know, this whole baseball <laughs> thing, it's not working out for me. Um, but yeah, no, I've, you know, it's been excellent seeing you on the beat. You do a really good job covering the team. And, you know, this offseason has certainly been an interesting one. They made a bevy of moves that was obviously headlined by the addition of Juan Soto. And I mentioned you weren't big on grades, but what grade would you give them for your, their offseason moves? And why did you end up with that grade? Yeah, so this is all on paper right now because we haven't seen it play out. We haven't seen who's going to stay healthy or anything like that. With that said, I'm somewhere between an A- and a B plus. I'd say the lower end because they didn't get that top of the market starter that they wanted. Um, they certainly tried to. Uh, the higher end because they got one freaking Soto. You know, it, it's hard to knock an off season where you get a 25 year old generational superstar. Um, and then they did some other stuff to upgrade the lineup and the rotation as well. You know, Stroman is not nothing as far as additions to the rotation. Alex Verdugo coming off a league average season, but look at what the Yankees had in left field last year. League average is a huge improvement. So I think it's hard to knock them as having a bad off season. Um, but you can also be honest and say they didn't get everything they wanted or intended to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe even Andy Martino said yesterday that he was like, yeah, they were not, they aren't completely satisfied with what they did in the pitching staff. And, you know, the rotation is full of a lot of question marks. There's a lot of talent there. Don't get me wrong. You know, you have Carlos Rodon, you have Stroman, you have Cortez. Obviously it's headlined by Garrett Cole, who just won the Cy Young. Um, but again, for as many positives as there are, there are also those question marks and those, are they going to stay healthy? Whatever it may be. 
Do you think they did enough to address the rotation? I guess you kind of answered that by saying, you know, they didn't get everything they wanted. But on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in that unit going into spring training and opening day? I'd say I'm at about a 6 right now. Maybe that changes if some guys stay healthy um, throughout the spring. There's a lot of talent there. I don't think fans should lose sight of that just because Rodon and Cortez were hurt and ineffective last year. You know, you could argue that the injuries led to the ineffectiveness, and that's an argument that the Yankees have made a lot. Um, the question is, can those guys stay healthy, and can the team cover themselves in the event of injuries? Because they're going to happen at some point. I do think there is more depth and versatility on the roster than around this time last year. At the very least, there's more known commodities waiting in the wings, whether it's a veteran like Luke Weaver or a prospect with high expectations like Will Warren. You know, last year, Johnny Brito and Randy Vasquez were relative unknowns to the outside world going into spring training. And you know, by the end of the year, they're taking regular turns and the rotation and pitching important innings when they probably shouldn't have even arrived in the majors last year prior to September. So I do think the Yankees are in a better position depth-wise, but again, you're relying on veterans who haven't had that much success. You're relying on prospects who haven't had any experience. So we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, the Yankees uh, tried to address that depth even more yesterday by acquiring Caleb Ferguson, who, you know, I think is a pretty good reliever. And, you know, kind of given the way the reliever market was going and seeing the contracts that guys the Yankees were heavily linked to, specifically Peralta and Middleton, what they got, do you think it was the right call going for the trade route and getting a guy like Ferguson? Or would you have preferred a reunion and kind of what your thoughts were on the trade as a whole? Yeah, I really like this deal for the Yankees. So when you're comparing Ferguson to the two names that you just mentioned, Peralta and Middleton, I think this was the best outcome. He came cheaper financially. It didn't really cost the Yankees anything trade-wise. Ferguson can fill Peralta's role against lefties. He's a strong ground ball guy, which the Yankees love in their bullpen. And he's also got a better track record than Middleton. Middleton was great last year, but he's a guy who you know, hasn't been consistent throughout his career. And he's also had some injury risks. So I, I do like this pickup for the bullpen. And I think when you look at the cost effectiveness of it, you know, this is a better move than some of the free agents that were out there. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, ultimately, I think a big thing here is that the Yankees have an excellent track record with their bullpens, right? Like, for as much as we can talk about the up and down years with their lineup, um, the uncertainty of their starting rotation, they've just kind of figured out how to have a really good bullpen every single year. They kind of always find a guy. I mean, I know that their non-roster invites got announced literally as we started doing this interview. Um, but they're probably going to find somebody in that group who's going to be pitching in the eighth inning in July and, you know, posting a sub three ERA. That's just kind of how those things go. But Staying on the theme of the bullpen, you, you actually wrote about um, a new role for Jonathan Wise because that was discussed by Matt Blake. Can you delve into a little bit about what the team's thought process would be with this decision um, and, and your thoughts on the Wise in a more multi-inning role? Yeah, so to be clear, nothing has been decided here. Um, but I had a conversation with Matt Blake, talked about a bunch of pitchers on the team, and I asked about how the team could possibly fill Michael King's old bullpen role where, you know, he kind of went multi innings was this Swiss army knife could go for long periods of time. I had raised the possibility or the idea of Ian Hamilton being that guy to which Blake agreed that, you know, that's, that's an option. But then unprompted, he brought up Loisica, which I thought was really interesting and curious just because as we all know, he has a long injury history and 
Blake kind of said the idea there would be to use him like the Yankees used King, where he throws multi multiple innings at a time, but then he gets an off day for every inning pitched in an appearance. So last year when King was still in the bullpen, this is before he transitioned into the rotation, you know, he would pitch two innings, he would get two days off, three innings, three days off. So it sounds like the Yankees are toying with that idea for Loisaga just as a way to get him more rest and keep him healthy while still having him throw the number of impact innings that they want him to. It's an interesting idea. I do think they have other candidates on the roster, whether it be Hamilton, whether it be some of the young depth starters that they have. I think Luis Heels are really interesting option for the bullpen um, right now it sounds like the Yankees would like to keep him on more of a starting track but these things are fluid in spring training and can change in a heartbeat so it'll see it'll be interesting to see how the Yankees tackle that Swiss Army lengthy bulk kind of bullpen role that King had last year Yeah, and, you know, when it comes to, you mentioned guys like Luis Heal, you know, there are some young guys who could certainly take steps forward. I think even in the case of Luis Heal, having that fourth minor league option really does help him if he wants to still be a starter. Whether that's likely or not remains to be seen. He's coming back from Tommy John surgery. Didn't have great command at any point in his professional career, so that'll definitely limit his ability to be a starter. And, of course, like only having two pitches. It's not a great recipe for being a starter, but getting the option to stretch him out in AAA is certainly going to help the team because... As we talked about, they have a lot of injuries there. And it's interesting to mention when it comes to Loisaga, having that conversation with Blake and, you know, pointing out a guy like Hamilton. I even looked at a guy like Hamilton and say, could he give you like three innings as an opener if the Yankees were to uh, have a bunch of injuries in the rotation? I think he has the stuff to do it. But Loisaga certainly does as well. He has four quality pitches in his sinker, four-seamer curveball changeup. And it'll be interesting to see if it ends up keeping him healthy or not. And at this point, he's in a walk year. You're best as well uh, experimenting with it. Another guy we talked uh, we talked about and you mentioned already in this episode was Will Warren. We got to speak to him uh, last week, and he was a, a guy that was awesome to interview, number one, but also a guy that I have a, a lot of faith in to be a quality pitcher, maybe not this year, but down the road. Do you think we'll see him this year? At what point do you think we'll see him this year? And what are some traits that stand out the most about his profile, in your opinion? So when I talked to Blake, he said that Warren is – somebody he would expect to see in the majors at some point this year when he's not sure uh, you got to keep in mind Warren still has to be added to the 40-man roster that's an easy thing to do this time of year if he makes a case for himself but it's nonetheless a logistical thing that they need to overcome as for when I think it depends on the health of more established pitchers you know it wouldn't shock me if he starts the season on the big league roster even if that's in the bullpen it wouldn't shock me if you know a couple months go by and we haven't seen him yet now the Yankees might want to keep him working as a starter at AAA so that he's ready midseason if they need him at that point. Um, you know, it really just depends on the health of these you know, more established veteran starters. But I do think Warren has done a really nice job to position himself to be one of the first guys in line, if not the first. You know, right now it looks like maybe Luke Weaver would be the sixth starter just based on merit and the contract and his experience, but. Warren has a chance to now make a really strong case for himself in spring training. Yeah, absolutely. And the 40 man logistics are something that, you know, I think a lot of people overlook. You also start their service clock, um, which affects their options. And if you didn't need them out of the bullpen, you could go to a more experienced guy. Like when is Scott Efros got back? There are a lot of questions about that. And ultimately you have to, I mean, the Yankees are meticulous with their options and they're meticulous with their roster usage for a reason. Um, and, you know, looking a little bit ahead to opening day here, you know, and, and shifting away from the pitching staff going more towards the lineup here, 
if you're the manager on opening day, we're giving you the lineup card. You're playing Aaron Boone's role. Um, what does your lineup card look like against the Astros on March 28th? Kind of give us a rundown on your one through nine. Okay. So let's assume good health and that Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander are starting for their respective teams. All right. With that, I'm going to go LeMahieu at third. Soto's going to be in left because he'll play a lot of right field this year, especially at Yankee Stadium. But in Houston, left has the least amount of ground, so I'm going to put him there. Judge is going to be in center. Rizzo at first. Stanton DHing. I kind of expect Stanton to actually bat cleanup, um, but I do like the idea of kind of alternating the lefties and the righties at the very top of the lineup here and in the heart of the order. So with that said, you've got Torres batting second after, bat, playing second after him. Purdue going right. Trevino catching because he's Cole's guy, and then Volpe is at shortstop, batting ninth, and you know maybe creating a little more of a double leadoff kind of situation if he improves his on base percentage skills this year. Yeah, absolutely. And you know we've actually when we went to the Pinstripe Pride event, even just with talking with various fans, you know on social media, whatever it may be, Volpe's a guy who kind of stands out as a. Hey, if he could really take that step forward, he's kind of the ideal leadoff hitter because you would like a little bit of speed in front of guys like Soto and Judge. And not that Judge is slow, but he's not going to be burning on the base path. He's not going to swipe 20 bags this year. And Soto is a slower guy. Like, he is young, but he doesn't run a lot, and he's pretty prone to double plays and stuff of that nature. Having a, a kind of a dynamic playmaker almost at the top of the a lineup would certainly help. Um, and I do find it interesting that, you know, you, you talk about the dynamics and how they're going to handle the corner outfield. Fenway and Houston are probably the two ballparks we'll see the most with Juan Soto and left field because of the dimension of those ballparks, the weird way that those walls work and how short they are compared to home plate. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to, and I noticed I didn't write this down for you necessarily, but I did want to ask it anyways. You know, do you think Trent Grisham, like how many games do you see him playing this year? Do you think he's going to factor into the outfield a lot or do you think we'll see him more in a limited role? I think Trent Grisham could go a number of ways. You know, I think he could be a guy who is really just relegated to a late inning defensive replacement that allows the Yankees to either give judge some rest or get him out of center field at the end of the game. Now that would also most likely be a situation where he's replacing Soto, who's not a good defender. I think Grisham could honestly has a case to be a platoon or a split guy with Verdugo because they're both lefty hitters, but Grisham has reversed splits and hits lefties a lot better. Um, It sounds like from what the Yankees have said so far, that's not something they're really expecting. They're looking at Verdugo as an everyday player, but it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. And then also keep in mind, you know, Grisham's making a nice chunk of change this year to be essentially a fourth, fifth outfielder. Um, He's a guy that could be a trade candidate by the end of spring training. So we'll see where he ends up, what his role is. You know, the Yankees value having an elite defender in the middle of the outfield. That's not something they really have other than Judge on this roster right now. They don't really, I mean, Verdugo is good in the corners, but not somebody I think they want to put in center field. So we'll see uh, how they weigh the money versus the talent and the skill as far as his defense goes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a big thing here is just the option to say, all right, Trent Grisham is the next guy up in the outfield. Whereas last year, a lot of the Yankees next men up for the outfield was not even outfielders. Like they they had to try Isaiah kind of fluff in the outfield. You know, Franchi Cordero did not look adequate in right field. And they sometimes had to put him in left field. The same case for a guy like Jake Bowers. Um, so just saying, all right, we can put out a guy who might start on a lot of teams in center field if something were to go wrong. 
is certainly a huge advantage for this team going forward. And it slots a guy like Pereira down the depth chart. It doesn't place pressure on Dominguez to come back and be a savior for this team or whatever it may be. Um, but with it all of – let's go ahead. It, Sorry. It, it kind of goes back to what I said before about the outfield offense as far as, you know, league average. A guy like Verdugo, league average is a huge offensive improvement from what they had last year. Well, the same applies to the defense in left field. It, it was atrocious last season. And now you've got at least a couple guys who are actually outfielders can actually play the position. And waiting on your bench is a guy who's a gold glove caliber, you know, really strong defender in Grisham. That, that's, that's a huge upgrade. Yeah, for sure. The Yankees finished tied for the worst DRS in baseball last year in left field at negative 14. And it, what, like, that was the big question coming into spring where it was like, hey, did the Yankees do enough in left field? And it completely burned them all year. I'm not saying it cost them a playoff spot, but if they had a guy like Juan Soto in the corner outfield, who knows, right? Like maybe that is what turns the, maybe that would have been a difference maker for them. Obviously not putting Soto in left field. I don't think that would have helped their defensive numbers very much. Uh, but having outfielders play the outfield, it sounds like a low bar, but it is a bar that the Yankees cleared from the 2023 team, which, yeah. Um, and moving on to kind of, I know this is a little bit of a broad question, like bold takes, whatever it may be. Um, but if you had a bold take for the 2024 Yankees, you know, the, the, the take that might be the most out there, whatever it may be, why do you feel that way about the team? Why do you have that take and kind of, you know, break it down for us here? So I've got one on an individual, if, you, if you'll take that. Um, I'm not sure how bold this is because I think it is semi-feasible, but I'm going to go ahead and say Garrett Cole repeats as the American League Cy Young. Uh, he's already talked about working on ways to improve this offseason. I think having a healthy Trevino back will be an additional boost to him after he, him and Rortfed had some growing pains last year. Uh, now, don't place any bets on this because I said it, but a repeat's possible. Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer have done it in the not-so-distant past, and I'm guessing Cole probably knows that. Yeah, and you know the big weapon I saw him add midway through the season was the cutter, and he's talked about that a little bit on um, Jack Curry's podcast with Yes Network where he was talking about kind of finding that pitch in the second half and having it evolve, I think that's a huge difference maker for him because it prevents the home runs. And the Yankees starting pitching staff actually did give up a lot of home runs last year. I think it was 1.49 home runs per nine. I think it was somewhere in the top five for worst marks. So having him at the top of the rotation, it does ease a lot of rotational concerns. You don't want a situation like last year though, where you have Garrett Cole top of your rotation and then just a lot of not great. I think their ERA was over five outside of Cole. Um, but certainly look, you said don't play, place your bets on it guys, but I might be, I might be, uh, I might be putting Garrett Cole as my song prediction prediction as well for the American League. Gary, we want to thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we want to throw links for anything in the description, but is where can we find you on various social media platforms? And yeah, throw your final words and and places where we can find you. Yeah, so the handle right above me, Gary H Phillips. That's what it is on Twitter. You can find me there. Um, in my bio, you can see a direct link to all my work at the Daily News at the very top, and I post I post my stories pretty frequently. Um, whenever I've got something new. So please be sure to check them out. Be sure to subscribe to the daily news. Um, if you can, it's always appreciated. And I'm looking forward to another fun season and some more exciting stories. Yeah, we are very excited to follow you on your beat and continue to read your stories. You just put something out on Jose Trevino and his wrist talking about Wells and stuff he's worked on. Um, so make sure you guys check that out. Go to his Twitter page, check out all of the links. Thank you again so much for coming on. This was great, Gary. And everybody, we'll see you guys in the next one. Peace out. Thanks for having me.